one into the night. Jimmy Rollins is going to try for three. Here he comes. In the air, down the right field line. Way back there. On an RBI hit by Mitchie Poole. Here's the throw to the plate. It's in the air. He is. Oh! The 0-2 swing and a miss. Struck him out. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Phillies Nation podcast. I am your host, Ty Daubert, coming at you after a Phillies West Coast road trip. Phillies have some success. They go two, they win two out of three in Seattle, three out of four against the Dodgers in Los Angeles. However, they end it on kind of a shaky note on Sunday with a disappointing loss in the bottom of the ninth inning against the Dodgers. My co-host Nathan Ackerman was at three of the games in LA. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about this road trip. Nathan, how was it being at those games? And what do you see just on this road trip in general? It was awesome. I mean, the team obviously looks looked pretty good. Um, you know, Thursday's game was what it was. Apparently, seven one leads are the worst thing of all time. But they came back to win that game after tying it up in the or after the Dodgers tied it up in the eighth. And then Saturday's game was honestly, I was I was thinking about like games that I've been to over the course of my life, my, you know, long wise life. And Friday's game was, I think probably like the most dramatic from a, from a purely gameplay standpoint, like the craziest game I had ever seen. There were so many twists and turns in that game and five different ties, um, a bunch of different lead lead changes. It went 10 innings, took four hours and 18 minutes, I think. And that was another one of those games where they had a lead. They, they blew the lead as, as they do. And then they sort of, you know, come right back and um, win that game. And one of the things that I think is important that this team showed is it's not so much about holding on to leads that like, well, uh, okay, that's obviously important. And you have to, you have to be able to, to, you know, hold on to significant leads um, or even, you know, tiny leads. But I, I wanted to see how this team would respond when they sort of get punched in the face. And they, they punched right back, if you will. And that was, I think, a, a, you know, encouraging things that they showed. Uh, obviously, Sunday happened. I was kind of thinking all weekend that, like, they won the first game. Things will even themselves out. They'll lose Friday. They win the first two games. Okay, they're not really going to win the first three. They have to lose on Saturday. They win that. And until there were, like, you know, two outs with – the base is empty. They're up four, three, one out to go, even down to their last strike on Sunday. I was like, I mean, at that point I was like, well, they they might actually pull off a four game sweep that nobody in the world thought that they would pull off. And then obviously what happened from there happened from there kind of, you know, left a sour note to cap off what was a pretty good West coast road trip. Um, But yeah, as you said, it ended on kind of a rough note that I think it, it, it would have felt a whole lot nicer um if they had been able to finish that one off and you know people are obviously talking about like does it does it ruin it does it how are you supposed to feel about it and I think you still got to feel pretty good but I kind of want to see how this how this sort of carries over like does it affect them on Tuesday does this cause a slide or something and you know I think we just have to wait to see but if you're just trying to judge the west coast road trip as a whole it's hard to say it's anything but a huge success that was a very long-winded answer so I'll let you have it from here yeah, so I, I think, as you mentioned, as I mentioned, they they had success on on this trip. And I saw some sentiment after 
what happened in Sunday's game was the Phillies. They have Corey Knievel, their closer. They have the Dodgers down to their last strike with nobody on base. And then they end up blowing a save. It's a, a Gavin Lux walk-off hit in the bottom of the ninth inning. And I, I think some people are like, well, winning three out of four in LA is a good result. And in a vacuum, that's true, but that's a game that you, you really can't lose that one when they're in control for, for eight and a half innings. And in the bottom of the the ninth inning, they, they don't get anything done. There are a couple points throughout the game where they had opportunities to add some insurance there. You could think of one at bat where, Odubel Herrera is up at the plate. They have the bases loaded and he ends up striking out and there's, he probably, or no, he actually grounded out and the pitch he swung at was probably going to be ball four. another pitch. He, he swung at went between his legs as he swung, just like, I don't know. I've never seen that happen in little league, let alone the majors. It was, it, I, I'm guessing yeah. he thought he was getting a fastball and it was like a, a slider or a curveball And, that's what happened there. But. Well, in the, in that in that same game too, he had taken like a ninety three mile an hour fastball right down the middle. 0-2 count for strike three. So, what are what's what are we doing here? Yeah, it's just like the wasting at bats uh, here and there in in big opportunities. Like it, it comes back to bite you, especially when you know the bullpen has had some shakiness. They were shaky in three out of the four Dodgers games. But as a whole, like the offense, not a lot of blame can go around on this road trip. They scored at least four runs in every single game. They scored eight runs in, I think, four of the four of the games on, on this road trip, yeah. at least eight. So the offense offensive showed up. Reese Hoskins and Gene Segura have been really good as of late. Hoskins, especially after starting a little bit slow to this season he he was heating up on out there in the west so that's that's a positive sign if you're the phillies the way these guys are are swinging the bat bryce harper has been on fire even dealing with his elbow injury he hasn't played the field in a long time he got an injection on sunday missed sunday's game um to try to help him deal with that that elbow and if you're the phillies i think you hope that doesn't like change anything with his swing or make him feel anything different because he's like really swinging the bat well right now. So that, that's, that's the biggest takeaway from this road trip. I think is like offense you hoped could, could carry you has mm-hmm. been carrying them as, as of late against some, some really good pitching when it comes to the Dodgers, especially. Yeah. And obviously it won't be like this for the rest of the season. They're not going to score what was it, 9, 12, and then eight runs in every set of three games. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, they showed the kind of thing where it's like they have, they're just, like, relentless. And in any any moment in the game, any spot in the lineup, uh, you know, they can put a few runs on the board and they can make things happen. Um, the, the thing I want to say about, about Harper and as far as how this little minor, I don't know if you want to call it a setback, but absence, like, will will affect him when he comes back. I think what we've seen from him, at least over the course of the last three, three to four years, is that when things like this happen and he has to miss a bit of time because some nagging injury or whatever the case might be, when he comes back, it doesn't really seem like he misses a whole lot of a beat. Like remember last year, 
uh, basically all of May, he had that wrist thing after he got hit in the face. And then, you know, while he was still on the field for whatever reason, he was bad. But then he missed, uh, I don't remember what it ended up being, like one week, two weeks. And he came back and he was right right back on fire and he was on fire for the rest of the season. So considering how good he's been right now, you know, if, if he had, if he only has to miss one or two games, like I don't think it's going to be a huge thing for him. Uh, I'm honestly, I'm more skeptical that like the rest of the offense is going to be able to keep this up because this is basically, it hasn't come out of nowhere. Like we know that these guys are talented, but you haven't really seen the lineup hitting together and stringing hits back to back and just doing it as a full lineup, rather as, as, as Tim likes to say, just nine individual guys that basically feel like they're out there on their own. Um, which, you know, is sometimes the feel like you'll have one or two guys that are hot at, at a time, but never really all nine clicking the same way that they are now. And I, I again, they don't need to be clicking the way that they were over, over the, the last three or four games because they're not going to score nine, 12, eight runs every three games. They shouldn't need to do that. If the bullpen is going to keep on doing what it, what, what it has been, maybe they're going to have to do that. Um, which isn't much of a formula for success, but yeah, I, I'm not concerned about about Harper. Uh, obviously, he's not going to be playing in the field for a long time, but I don't know if they're really missing a whole lot with that either. So whatever, I think he'll be fine. The lineup needs to keep on hitting, I'm not, you know, somewhere close to what they're doing right now because, yeah, the other, the bullpen stuff is just, and Harper's been saying, he's like, we can't keep on doing this, and then they keep on doing it. And luckily, they won more of those games over the weekend than they didn't, but it, you know, came up it, it finally caught up with them on Sunday yeah like every every game for the most part against the Dodgers was a struggle to to get through and it's just like it seems like no matter what they do who they put out there it's it feels like it's going to be the same situation as it's been for the last few seasons where the bullpen just like can't can't close it down they've had different pitchers at different points like seem like, all right, maybe this guy's going to be solid. There were, there was a stretch where uh, Jose Alvarado was like coming in with, with guys on, on base, like every game and then shutting them down. And it was, uh, well, now his ERA is up over seven and his last mm-hmm. outing, he kind of, he kind of got uh, blown up a little bit. And you can say that Joe Girardi left him in too long to allow him to get blown up the way he did. And that probably did happen, but it just seems like there's not a single guy that you're super confident in with the Phillies right now when it comes to the bullpen. I think you thought Corey Knievel would be that guy as long as he's healthy. And for the most part, he has been solid. Just a couple couple outings here and there where it's like, all right, well, here we go again with this Phillies closing situation. Um, you can think of the Mets game You can where they blew a big lead. You can think of the uh, – this last Dodgers game, or I think as a whole, like Corey Knebel, he's going to be fine, but it's just when, when things seem to be at the point where they are with the Phillies, where they're struggling to keep leads. It, it's just like an extra, an extra blow to have to deal with um, when your closer that you just signed is also giving up these leads. We have breaking news live on the podcast, Bryce Harper, National League player of the week. He had a 1.904 OPS, three homers, eight RBIs. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I think Knievel's good. Familia, 
uh, I just don't really get why they keep on going to him in high leverage spots the way that they have been. Um, yeah, he's not been so, he's not been good. No, he's not been good. And you know, this is a point that Tim has been been making a lot, but like he hasn't been good for the last what four or five years, and they just expected him to be that guy, and they're using him like that guy. Like it would it would be one thing if he was a you know middle middle inning fifth sixth inning kind of guy that you need to piece together like one or two or three outs with, but like they're using him in tight ball games where they're up by two runs and you're facing the heart of the lineup. And it's like, yeah, that's what's going to happen. You saw what happened on, what was it? Friday, he gave up the two run Homer and yeah, yeah, granted it wasn't a terrible pitch. It just, he just, you know, Justin Turner just hit it. Um, But still, I mean, that's the kind of, and then you go right back to him on, on um, Sunday and you have a two run lead again and credit to him, I guess, for working out of it. It could have been a lot worse. They could have tied it up in the eighth inning there, but still like when you're up four, two, you don't really want to use up all your margin for error in the ninth, especially knowing what the Dodgers can do. Um, late in games, we've, you know, we saw it like the whole, like every single game except for Saturday. Um, so you'd ideally like a guy who can just be a stopper there. And they went to Familia again and sort of something predictable happened. Uh, and it could have been a lot worse. So, yeah, not great stuff there. They're going to need to fix that because, you know, as Bryce Harper said, you can't keep on winning games if you're going to blow all of them. Like you're going to lose more of those games than you're not, than you're, than you'll win. So, yeah, I don't know, but I think like Knievel is fine. You know, he kind of struggled um, obviously on Sunday. He wasn't great on Thursday. Uh, he loaded the bases with nobody out before working out of it, but it wasn't like a stress-free inning by any means. Um, but, you know, I think he's still a good pitcher. Like, I, I feel good more often than not with him in the ninth there. I still felt good even after he put guys on first and third with two outs that he was going to work work out of it. Obviously, he didn't. But when you're a closer, those things are going to happen, especially when you're playing the Dodgers. So, whatever. I'm not too concerned about him. It's just everybody else around him to get it to him. Big question marks. Yeah, so I guess kind of in contrast to the bullpen performance, the starting pitchers have been pretty solid of late. I know Aaron Nola, his last start comes to mind. Zach Wheeler, after coming off the COVID injured list, he makes his first start back, uh, went over five innings, gave up three runs. Like he was solid. I just wanted to kind of get your feel on the starting rotation. I guess Kyle Gibson, some of the early success he found is not really has not really sustained, but just as a whole, where are you at with the starting rotation? Yeah, I think it's pretty good. And I mean, I think Nola has to be the the most encouraging sign. And the one thing about him is like, he's been good, but it's been for seven innings at a time right now. And that's the thing that we've always seen from him is like, he'll go five or six, give you five or six strong. And then things will kind of fall apart for him there or from, you know, that, that point on. And that hasn't really happened. It seems like he's maintained his effectiveness. His he's been hitting his spots late in games. Um, his stuff's been moving pretty good. So, like, they're 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 kind of past the point where you can, or at least they seem to be past the point for now. Obviously, things can change. Where it's like you almost want to just take him out before the seventh if he's gone six innings, one run, because you know that things are just going to implode. Uh, he hasn't done that the last last couple last few starts. Um, they need to start winning his starts because they're one in seven in them this, this year, which is horrible considering that he has a 
three, I don't, three, what, mid threes, something like that. And in his last six starts, he's at like 287 and they're 0 and 6 in those starts. And multiple times now he's gone like seven innings, one or two runs and they've lost. So, you know, it's not really helping the team a whole lot. Obviously it's not, it's not his fault whatsoever, but it would be nice if they could start cashing in on some of, you know, Aaron Nola's dominance because he's been really good as of, as of late. He's pitching like, you know, the pitcher that we think he can be. And, you know, he's not like fully back to 2018 form, but he's closer to it now than I think he's been in a, a long time. Um, Suarez, I thought he was pretty good too. He threw seven innings, five of them were perfect. And then in the ones that weren't, he sort of uh, limited the damage there. and was able to work out of jams when he had to. Um, I thought the zone on what, what they pitched Saturday was, was kind of low, which sort of played to his um, advantages, sort of keeping the ball down. Guys were hitting a lot of stuff on the ground. Uh, turned a big double play, I think. Well, maybe I'm mixing up, mixing up games, but I think. Well, anyway, there, was, there were a, a, a few spots where things could have been a lot worse, and he worked out of it with some balls on the ground. So that was encouraging to see from him. Wheeler, fine. I don't know, nothing really special, but it was his first start after missing some time. Kyle Gibson, I was always kind of down on him. And he has that that problem where like two or three innings, he'll look really good. And then one inning, he'll just implode. Um, and then from there, he never really like totally refines it or gets it back. Uh, for the rest of the start, it happened on Friday. He gave up like five runs in the in the third. I think it was the third. And they went down 5-2. And then they, they, they tied it up again back in the fourth to make it 5-5. And they tried to throw him back out there to get one or two more innings out of him, which if it was five, two, I think that's fine. You probably just take that loss and be like, you know, the, the pens tax taxed. We have three guys down or something like that. Um, let's just try to eat innings from him. And if the offense can climb back in this game, great. If not, then not, uh, if, if we don't, we don't as a wise man once said, but then they, then they tied it up and they tried to squeeze more out of him and it didn't work. And it's just like, it was kind of predictable because that's what he's been doing. Uh, you know, he looks good for one or two innings and then, it's just bad. Uh, so I think what, what you're getting out of him is sort of number five starter material, even though he entered that start with, I think, a sub three earn run average. Uh, he left it with, now he's at, uh, let's see, he's at 4.1. So, you know, it's still like better than a, a number five, but just the way he's been pitching kind of inconsistent. It's not like, you know, anything that'll really wow you. Um, but then I guess every now and then I'll give you a start. That's like six innings, one run, seven scoreless, like he did against the A's yeah. back in the second game. It's of just, season. it's so just like, even, even, even dating back to like that first start, I didn't exactly buy like, Oh wow. Now Kyle Gibson is just this like savant of striking guys out. Like well, he yeah, just is what was, he is at this it, point. And it was, it was against the A's too. <laughs> that's true. But even I think his, his next start, he struck a bunch of guys out too. Like, yeah. He's, he's Kyle Gibson. Like he'll be, he'll be like a fine number, number five. It's yeah. Kinda, you'll take it. You'll I think, I it. think the rotation, the rotation is in a solid spot. I think you have to be happy with what you've seen from Nola so far, especially the last few starts. Yeah. And you just got to hope that Wheeler can kind of get like back worked in a little bit. Yeah. And he had been really good before missing a little bit of time. And then he went up against the Dodgers who are obviously stacked and he wasn't bad. Like he was fine. So you know, concern for him. There's not really much, much concern. 
Um, but yeah, it's just what, and then uh, Zach Eflin is back tomorrow on Tuesday. So it'll be interesting to see what, what he can give you there because, you know, he'd been kind of shaky to start, start the season. Um, you'd like to have more of a solid, like, I guess he'd be the number four at this point. Three if Suarez is, you yeah. know, the number four. But yeah, I mean, I think the rotation is in a, in a pretty good place. I think the depth is still kind of a question, but until you really need it, I, I'm not sure it's something that should like, I don't know, have you worrying too much, if that makes sense. Yeah, I agree. Um, something pretty dumb that I wanted to touch on is Garrett Stubbs has been like good in the games he's played, like 959 OPS right now, like threw a guy out in his start on Sunday. I don't know. He's been well, good. Real well, Meter's been straight. That's true. Yeah. Real Meter's been struggling a little bit. And just in general, they've um had they've played him so much over like the last few years. Like he takes a ton of toll on his body, catches like really often. And yeah. I guess in the in heading into the year, you think like, oh, they can like rotate this DH spot a little bit and Real Mito can get some days off at DH. And with Harper's injury, that is just not going to happen now because he isn't going to play the field. So if, if Stubbs I, is playing well, I'm not I'm not like calling for Garrett Stubbs to start, but like you can mix it if he's playing well, you can mix him in for some starts and give Real Mito a break while he's while he's not really playing well. Can I tell you about a take I saw on Twitter that I think was ironic? So like I don't want to like if if you're listening to this podcast, which I'm sure you know this a, a, a lot of people are. But if you're listening to this podcast and you and you realize that this was your tweet, like I don't I don't mean this in a in a mean way, but somebody was like, Stubbs is playing well. They should trade, they should they should consider trading JT because he's not worth the contract right now. And if Stubbs is for real, he can be the everyday starter. <laughs> Which, like, again, I think I think it was it was a bit, and there is like I think the overall message behind what they were saying is like JT probably hasn't been as good as we would want him to. And stuff. No, has I been think he has unexpected. a real middle 657 OPS right now yeah. in the season batting 234, yeah. 243. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So like the, the overall message behind it is, you know, I guess it makes a little bit of sense. Uh, they they shouldn't trade JT Realmuto and make Garrett Stubbs the everyday starter as much as as much yeah. as I I love the former Trojans. You know how there's like the like a saying that like in I guess Philly specifically like everybody's favorite athlete is the the backup quarterback. Like I'm a backup catcher's guy. Backup catching controversies make me laugh. I'm I'm in favor of those. Well, you know, every time Garrett Stubbs comes to the plate against a lefty. I, I expect him to hit righty because I'm so used to the backup catcher being a switch hitter. And for, yeah. for some reason, I feel like it wasn't just Nap. Like, I feel like every backup catcher they've had for the last several years has hit switch. He might be the only guy. And maybe it was it just, just him feels like it so though. long that it feels like it. But like, I'm like, like, why are you hitting lefty? And then I realized, oh, yeah, he's not. He's not a switch hitter. Anyway. Garrett's, Garrett Stubbs, he's like, he's a really fast. And like, yeah. he's like, Thin, like he doesn't look like if you saw that guy, he would not look like a catcher, dude. He's like 5'8. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm liking what I've seen from Garrett Stubbs. This is probably yeah. like the last thing people care about, but yeah, no, there's there was a good piece, um, by Alex Coffey of the Inquirer about Stubbs and 
how he gets heckled about his height and things like that. He's like, he knows he's not the tallest guy in the world, but it, it like helps with his framing and things like that. It helps him block balls in the dirt. So, you know, like he knows he's not the biggest dude, but he kind of embraces it. And he's been like the clubhouse hype guy. Um, yeah. I mean, it's like, he's, he's basically like, as far as clubhouse stuff, he's been Andrew Knapp, except he's producing on the field too. Uh, he, he doesn't hit switch, but everything else. I don't know. It's 20, been, it's don't don't enough. sleep. Don't sleep on twenty twenty Andrew Knapp. No, twenty twenty Andrew good. Knapp was yeah something else. <laughs> yeah. No, he was he was good. And people people then um, were like actually like like genuinely saying why sign JT when Andrew Knapp is this good. So I guess yeah, starting starting to think it might might have been a small sample size thing. Yeah, people love the backhand catchers. <laughs> the point. I don't know. No, people didn't like Nap. I think they do like stubs up. Yeah. Fun guy. All right. What 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 else do you think we should hit on as you know the Phillies? They have an off day as we're recording on Monday. They get ready to play the San Diego Padres. And after that, the Dodgers are coming to Citizens Bank Park to play again. What do you think? Just some of some of your thoughts looking forward or anything else you want to hit on. Yeah, I mean, I like let's be honest, I could totally see them going like two and four in those six six games. Uh, and I'm I'm just I'm curious to see what the effect of Sunday's game is going to be moving forward because you know, like it's it's kind of a, a bad way to end it. And then you have the off day to kind of let it let it fester. But one thing I guess maybe um, I don't know if this is another small 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 sample size thing, but it seems like off days for this team has helped them more often than not. Cause it's kind of this, mm-hmm. this thing of like, do you want the, do you want the off day to sort of like, because it, it, it feels like they always come after terrible games. Like it doesn't feel like they've ever had an awesome game and then been like, okay, now you're off. Except I guess the one game in Colorado a couple of weeks ago where they scored like 10 runs and they had an off day, but like with the, with the Mets game, uh, the you know the seven to one in the, in the ninth inning game, and they had two off days because of the rainouts. And now with this Dodgers game, like it just feels like off days always come after terrible games, and it seems like more often than not they like help them. Like after the Mets game, they went you know they played again on Sunday. They went one and one that day. They played twice, but then they went on the West Coast road trip and they went five and two. So it seemed like they needed a couple of days off after that. I, I, I wonder if today will have the same impact there where they're just like that loss was kind of bad. It's, it's a good time to step back and be like, Hey, we just went five and two, three out of four against the, the um, like maybe the best team in the sport, um, blah, 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 things like that. So will it have that effect on Tuesday and against the Padres? I don't know, but that's something I'm kind of watching out for. Yeah. I think like if you're the Phillies and, not to say like these are like these are professional players like they know how to deal with an off day like it, I'm sure it doesn't affect them that much but it, it's if if going into the series like they should really be looking to like oh we just had a lot of success offensively against some really good starting pitchers and they should not be hung up on this last loss like even though it was like pretty inexcusable and I think the Padres are another matchup that they should be like amped up for. I think the Machado versus Harper aspect is interesting. I don't know if the players care about it that much, but like it, they'll have eyes on this series and they, they kind of need to get in a groove here. They're one game under 500. Now they're five and a half games back of the Mets and they just got to, for right now, like keep, 
treading water and keep if you can just build it to the point where you're a couple games over 500 um and then hopefully some of your players get a little healthier um you get Eflin back Wheeler gets back on track like that's the spot they need to be in so I even though they were just on the west coast and it's like all right we just made it through the west coast road trip you're still playing some some pretty good west coast teams uh back at Citizens Bank Park so they need to they need to be on top of it this upcoming yeah. week yeah yeah, the other thing, I mean, obviously, it's going to be interesting to see when when Harper comes back. I was talking with, I want to see how much you you buy this, but I was talking to one of my friends, and he was like, having Harper out of the lineup, like, impacts not just obviously when Harper would be hitting, and instead it's like, you know, I, I mean, I don't know who else would be like Camargo or whatever the case might be, but um, it, it it impacts the other innings too when he's not participating because he's just kind of like the tone, the guy who sets the tone and, you know, injects some life into them, into the entire lineup. And when he's hitting, everybody else hits. And if you want to look at the small, you know, like four games, they score eight or nine, 12, and then eight runs. And then Harper's out of the lineup on Sunday and they score four, but really zero earned runs. And they kind of did that thing where they score four or they score a bunch of runs like in the first few innings of the game and then they don't really score for the rest of, of it. Do you think like that's Harper or Harper's absence? I mean, obviously not having him in the lineup when he's going to go two for four with two extra base hits, like that's that's going to hurt you. Um, but like, do you think it's it's larger than just not having Harper? Do you think it affects everybody else? Or do you think that's just kind of what happened on Sunday by chance? I think it's kind of just what happened Sunday. I think to an extent, like the lineup clearly feeds off him. He's the best hitter and one of like the guys that bring and brings energy, but they kind of have more energy guys. Now you have a a Nick Castellanos, you have Gene Segura, who's been hitting well, who we've had for a few years where it's not like, it's not like where at times over the last few years, even though they've had more, it's not like it's been Bryce Harper's their only good hitter, but there have been stretches like you think second half of 2019, maybe where Hoskins is struggling and it's like, wow, this whole lineup is like basically Harper and real Muto. And that's it where it's like, I think they have enough talent around them where if it's, if Harper's out there, they won't be a total disaster, but I do just like the look of the lineup is different when he's not there is the reigning MVP. And he's been one of the better hitters in, in the league this season so i think there's like there's some truth to that where is the outlook of the team is different when he's when he's not around and i think that other teams notice that too it's not just the phillies where other teams can kind of feel like like it's a big difference having bryce harper in the lineup versus bryson stott or johan camargo just like the way it works out with how you have to insert people in your lineup yeah i think that's mainly it too joe was talking before sunday's game about how having Harper out of the lineup sort of changes the complexion of everything. He was like, against a righty, normally we'd have Schwarber hitting leadoff. But with Harper out, Schwarber had to slot in third, which meant Hoskins moved to leadoff, uh, which is, I guess, another thing I kind of want to talk about. Are you into Reese Hoskins in the leadoff spot? He was there. Let's see. I wrote this down. He was there on Thursday and Saturday. Thursday, he went one for five with a strikeout. Saturday, he went three for four with a strikeout. But I don't know if this is like, you know, something to uh, put any stock into. But the one out he did make on Saturday was to lead off the ball game. 
he did lead off the third with an RBI, with a not an RBI, but a, a base hit that eventually led to Harper's three-run homer. So I guess Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday, Hoskins combined in, in the leadoff spot was four, sorry, five, four, 13. Pretty good. Um, he drew, I think, only one walk. Uh, but he reached base a lot, obviously, because that's a lot of hits. Where, where are yeah. you at on 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 Hoskins in that spot and sort of this like leadoff platoon that they seem to be having with with Hoskins and then Schwarber sort of jumping back and forth? Because that's what Joe said too. He was like, um, I, "I'm not married to having one guy in the leadoff spot. Like if we have a set lineup against lefties and a set lineup against righties." it's still basically a set lineup. Like, you know what you're going to get pretty much day in and, you know, each day, but um, even if it looks a little, you know, you, you make some tweaks based on who's on the mound, but I don't know. Where, where, where are you at with leadoff Hoskins overall? I've always been pro leadoff Hoskins, even though the last like couple of years, it hasn't felt like he is walking the way he once was where he used to like always always be looking to work counts and everything. Not that he isn't now, but just the way he walked in the past, I think made him even more of a prime candidate to, to bat first or, or second, like in those iterations of the team. Now I think like overall, I'm still pretty for it because I I just think the way that I think his production overall and what he is as a player, like fits that spot when you don't have one who's like prototypical. He's going to hit the ball hard. Um, he's going to, when he's going well, he's going to walk. And I think, honestly, when he's going well, it is kind of like a, a similar version of like a right-handed version of last year's Kyle Schwarber. And like, he was really good at the leadoff spot. He's going to work walks. He's going to hit the ball out of the, out of the yard. I, I think it, I think it does work there, especially when like nobody's absolutely cruising as a leadoff guy. And I'm yeah, fine with moving guys around. I, I don't think it has to be – they don't have to keep, like, the same lineup all the time. When people are going well, they should move up. When people are playing poorly, they should move down. I think it's fine to mix guys in and out. I agree, but I think, like, if you move a guy like Schwarber into the six hole for a few games and he just goes on a tear after being not very effective in the leadoff spot, like, why mess with that, you know? I don't know, because – where you're hitting in the lineup, it, it does change your, your, your approach. I mean, obviously you're still trying to get on base or in his case, hit bombs or whatever the case might be. But like, you know, there is something to when you're in the leadoff spot and you're leading off a ball game, you're trying to work counts versus when you're in the sixth hole, you're going to be more aggressive. Maybe. Um, I don't know. I just think like, yeah, the general rule of you can move guys around based on matchups and things like that. It's fine. But if somebody's, on fire even if they're in the eight hole i don't know i think you kind of got to just ride it out yeah it's not like lineup construction it's not like the biggest deal of all time we've kind of touched on that before but i don't know whatever whatever tweaks they're making as of late have been working for the most part yeah they have been obviously getting getting harper back will like I, I, I think until he's back, we'll just see a bunch of different combinations. And they might have Schwarber hitting third, which is obviously not going to be a, a long-term thing. So, yeah, I don't think it's a, it's a huge thing either. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not as obsessed with the like set lineup every day thing as some, as some folks are. But 
Yeah. You know, whatever. Yeah. All right. I think that'll do it for this episode. Unless you have anything that. I don't. No, I don't. Well, one thing actually, um, is the NL East just bad? Like, is it just the Mets <laughs> and then everybody else is kind of mediocre? Like the Braves are still three games under 500. I think that they, they, they do this every year. Last year they did it. And oh, then, yeah, you know, I think happened? they'll be fine. Yeah. I think they'll be fine. Yeah. I think uh, the Mets, Mets have had some like Tyler McGill just hitting the, the injured list. I don't know. I don't know. I think it'll end up being bunched up by the end somehow. I really do. Yeah. Probably. But I mean, the way if they, if they, if they dig themselves into deep enough of a hole, like if they float around 500 for too long and the NL West is going to keep on looking the way that it's looked so far, like there's going to be one maximum non, one maximum wildcard spot coming out of the, out of the East, which is, I guess, what we expected because we knew that, that the West was kind of stacked. But I mean, mm-hmm. if this continues, it'll just basically be set in stone. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see when Bryce Harper comes back. Maybe it's on Tuesday, but I don't know. The Phillies could use him. But all right, I think that's all we got. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Phillies Padres coming up. We'll talk to you next time.